No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me this week on the program is a sense of regret. Now this week, I wanted to actually just look back and figure out what have I been doing and what am I going to do. Um, This is a podcast in which I try to acknowledge the general uh, morbid anxieties that I typically have and the worries that I have about the future because I am somebody who is existentially anxious and um, just living with kind of low current uh, perpetual depression that some might call just a bad disposition, uh, but has certainly been diagnosed and uh, treated multiple times over the course of my life. But point is, um, this is a podcast that basically says, we're all going to die. Let's talk about why that matters. I started out a year ago wanting to talk about this stuff, and it's been a weird year, and I've learned a lot, and it's been a lot of distance between point A and point B, and now I'm left wondering what am I going to do going forward? Before I get into all that, if you've got questions, comments, thoughts, feedbacks, concerns, let me know. Write to me at yourdead2 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram, Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O at gmail, whatever. Find me. That joke never gets old to me. I, it's, I'm just, it's dad humor, I guess. Um, so yeah, this has been, today is March 12th, uh, been a weird 24 hours here, uh, for those listening in the future, this was a day after the president went on TV to talk about the coronavirus and travel bans and Tom and Rita Hanks being diagnosed and the NBA and the MLB and the NHL all canceling their seasons. Um, Well, I guess the MLB has just postponed for spring training at the moment, but uh, this is kind of the height so far of the weirdness that is the World Health Organization declaring a pandemic, and uh, what do we do? Um, This is, um, I started this podcast from the perspective of this is something that I know that I'm comfortable talking about at length. This is something that I'm endlessly fascinated by, and this is something that I have the ability to peer under this rock where most people would say, let's leave that rock where it sits and not look under there and look at all the creepy crawly bugs. I want to pick up that rock and look at all those bugs and say, what is going on under here? We're not talking about this. We have to address the elephant in the room to mix metaphors. Um, As time has gone on, I've learned some things about myself, other people, culture at large, that has given me reason to pause or try to speak with a bit more deference or just speak more delicately in regard to impending doom for different people. Uh, People handle it differently. I've talked to people who have died and they seem to go about their day just fine. And yet I still have these qualms about, uh, I don't know, I guess it just, it, I butt up against the full or even just partial realization of what it is I'm talking about, and I don't want people to – I don't want to put out the notion that I'm being flippant or callous in the face of death. It's more so that 
it comes for us all, and we're not going to do ourselves any favor by pretending it doesn't. Um, I still think it's worth doing what I'm doing. I still think it's worth having these conversations, but I certainly am wondering now, is it in good taste to keep doing this in light of a pandemic, or should I maybe cool the jets and pump my brakes and not uh, dive headlong so aggressively into what this is? Maybe it requires a shift in focus instead of doing... You know, I've really cooled off on talking about the coronavirus itself. I've been uh, completely wrong in everything I've talked about so far, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse, although I suppose that that was my... um, inkling from the beginning of this is just, hey, this seems like a not good thing. Let's just keep an eye on it, and it's becoming not good. So um, I don't want to be an alarmist. I'm an idiot is what I'm saying is I I recognize my shortcomings and my failings of knowledge. You know, I know I've got gaps in my my expertise here. Uh, That said, I'm – maybe I talk a bit more about, you know, the angle that I've had with – funerals and methods of burial and, uh, you know, some of the less uh, hands-on processes of dying. Or, you know, if people find it comforting, if they like me talking to people, maybe I get back to interviews and just do them all by Skype and figure out a way to get better audio out of that process because that's what's really been keeping me from doing that is knowing that I'm not going to have a good sound quality file for you. I want to make sure that I'm giving you something listenable uh, with my meager setup here. But how do you do this when social distancing is going to become the norm? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm willing to certainly keep this going. I have fun doing it. I enjoy it. Uh, but I, you know, I don't want to be causing anybody strain or anxiety. So who knows? Um, I've had a great time and learned a ton doing this for the past year, and it's been a lot of growth. Um, If it's been of benefit for anybody at all, I consider it having been worth it. Um, You know, I intend for this to be able to live on through the internet. You know, I don't really plan on clawing it back and saying, this is embarrassing, give me this information back. But I I do want to kind of just look back and see what have I learned, what have I taken away, what have I come to understand uh, what have I appreciated about death and the people I've talked to and the processes I've uh, investigated and just what is it to host a podcast? Learn for one, stop touching your face, John. God damn it, stop touching your face. I am a face toucher. Uh, I also have a sick beard right now, and I'm realizing that beard's probably going to have to go away if we get to the point of face masks being widespread in America. Um, there's various reports as to whether they're effective. I don't know, but if that's the case, I'm willing to give up my beard, but it's a pretty sick beard. Uh, so, you know, that's reality. Uh, also, what if my kiddo, uh, the daycare is canceled? They might just shut down like they do all schools in Italy or uh, Germany. Where they've, have they done Germany? I know Italy they have. Uh, but, you know, I may have to find time to record between naps, assuming my daughter even naps anymore, because really it's maybe one in five days she actually naps. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. But what I can say is this time last year, I was sitting down to talk to some friends of mine and the first few people that were kind enough to be my guinea pigs didn't really realize that they were my guinea pigs. I remember sitting down with, I mean, they're posted in the order that I talked to people. You know, I tried to be very naturalistic about this. Uh, Katie being the first guest on the podcast, she was the first person I talked to about this. I still have got the box of Kleenex down here because so far she's really been the only person I've made cry on the podcast for which I still... um, have some regrets. I'm sorry, Katie, but you were an awesome first guest to have. Uh, I still think often about how kids are dealing with this stuff and how this is going to be a further issue with uh, the Instagramming of America. I don't want to sound like one of those olds and just, you know, maligning new technology or new iterations of youthful fascination, but it's not better or worse. It's just different. That's what it is. And I have to get comfortable with that. You know, I've morning, especially online, people do it in their own ways. I've seen how much, uh, I recently was watching Ugly Delicious and, uh, David Chang was talking about how he missed Anthony Bourdain. And I realized, uh, that that's a through line with other people that I've known as well, where, uh, Sunny, when she was on, talked about how difficult the loss of Tony Bourdain was for a family member of hers. And it's just, it's strange to see, you know, quote-unquote celebrity over here, a person that I know and I believe I've met over here, uh, both have been affected by something that's generally considered a, you know, celebrity death. Uh, Sunny was an awesome person to have on, and she was so fun to talk to about being a mom and being around kids. It's just everybody's got such she was so willing to just sit here and be open with me, for which I was very appreciative. And I realized at the very end of her episode, crap, I should have asked her more about ghosts. And that was kind of a starting point for me. Uh, same with Annie and talking with her about the right to die and how much that's been at the front of how I'm seeing a resurgence in people taking the reins of their own death and talking with death doulas about this and reading about how people want to die. It's not so much about suicidal ideation, but just wanting control over those final days. Why Why does it have to be some dirty DIY thing at your own house if it could be regulated and controlled? And we recently had the thing in the news from Germany, again, about right-to-die legislation and how it's becoming you know, ratified by the courts in Germany, at least, to be able to have uh, assisted suicide because existing is something that you don't really get consent on whether or not you're doing it. It's it's a tricky, strange thing. And, yeah, I don't know. It's it's fun to see how these roots have gone further back into conversations. So, uh, Brian, I recently re-hosted his episode um, or rebroadcast it, and it, it just really... I'm so happy with that, and he was so, I mean, I spoke at length about it in last week's episode, but uh, he was so open and honest about his experience, and I mean, that's kind of the, like I said, closest to bat hitting the ball on a pitch of what the, of what the podcast is, and he really was so kind with it, and I don't know, I just, I'm I'm very grateful for it, and and to know that he's continuing to be, um, you know, a good father for his family and a husband and a friend. 
it's nice to see that there's a human day-to-day almost um, mundanity to existence that he's just like, yeah, man, this is what life is. You, you know, he's somebody that died. He died. And he's still willing to sit here and like, yeah, you can just talk about crap. That's just, you know, life is what it is. And you get big moments and small moments and you just have to kind of make your way through them. Uh, then the flip side of that, when I talked to Dave uh, for the episode after that, a very interesting look at dogmatic Catholicism. He's a dude who I consider to be just a very upright uh, – I mean literally he's got great posture, uh, but just a very upstanding citizen. And the the different ways in which I see the manifestation of dealing with the sacred and the, and the profane, just the, the big and the small and dealing with how – each part of that is, you know, that you, you take the good with the bad. Uh, Carly was an awesome guest to have on knowing how much I learned from her uh, of, about anxiety and about mental health and about abnormalities and normalities within the mental health spectrum. Uh, she was very pregnant when she was on, and I am happy to report she is a very happy mother to a very happy baby boy. Um, and I believe they actually due to timing now. How did this work out? Well, point is, uh, their child just had their one-year birthday, so I'm very happy for them. But Carly was an awesome person to have on and talk with about um, existential dread, her lack of it, my abundance of it, how it interacts with people, her, her take on the funeral process. Tanya, I talked with her about, again, personal experiences, the, the broadness of personal life, um, her experience with some of the supernatural stuff. It's just, I love all these experiences that I got from people talking with Erica about her perspective on seeing her husband, Brian pass away, being in the room for it and dealing with it. She was so unflappable when I am so easily flapped, (laughs) you know, she just was very, it helped me understand myself better to know how she dealt with this stuff and versus how I would perceive my own self dealing with it. It was really, it was great for her to be so open and sharing with me about all of that entire experience because I, I really, I put her through the ringer talking about it. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Knut was the rare example of somebody. I had to drag him back in here and get him to sit down and answer more questions because I loved talking with him and getting him going and just seeing where it would go. He was a very, uh, animated person and trying to rein him in was a real lesson in how do I talk to him and kind of keep it on track in the best way possible because we had so much fun talking that I had to write down questions and say no we've got to let's I want to go through these like bullet point one two three four five a real exercise in learning how do you pick a brain that wants to make itself a moving target you know he was very it was very interesting to see how I could try to corner him into an idea only have him kind of squirm out of it um Austin, I was very appreciative of him opening up about his father. He was very, very kind to come in and talk about these things that I know he does not uh, pull back the veil very often, and I really can't thank him enough for having done so. He was really, uh, he lost his father at an early age, and it's been really impactful on his life, but I can see that he's he's well-adjusted and happy considering what he had to deal with, and Again, I'm just very happy for him and how he's been able to open up about it because I know some people, not everybody deals with this in the same way. And he was kind enough to come in and talk about it. Um, 
Kevin as well. I've recently referenced him on the podcast several times because he just he has the kind of mind where I just want to pick it and learn more about it and how uh, interacting with different people changes your perspective. I've not stopped thinking about life in the terms of he's described it as I was assuming everything is we're built here to set about getting to procreation. Like that's our evolutionary drive. And he asserted something much more basic and elemental, that is everything is in defiance of non-existence, that everything is to perpetuate our existence. And I laugh about the fact that I'm a, I am was a philosophy major in college. He's somebody that can call me out on my, uh, on my BS because he regularly is reading these books. And I'm seeing them on Instagram thinking, oh, I kind of remember that, and I don't really remember what the takeaway was from it in college. So... He's somebody that I aspire to play up to his level when it comes to discourse on this stuff. At that point in the podcast, I think I had my first episode where I didn't have a guest and I wanted to talk a bit about some personal stuff and I was not sure if anybody would listen to it. And it was really a gamble on do I have any swing whatsoever as a host? Can I make this work talking by myself? And uh, I... I will say, at the least, I did not scare away as much of the audience as I thought I would. Uh, I was happy to talk about my own experiences with death and uh, some of the paranormal, and I've I've thought a bit about it. That's a lie. I've thought a lot about it since then. I haven't come to any grand conclusions since then, or what I think of as the unified theory of John, where I uh, try to put some perspective and you know collecting rules, or you know, uh, like I said, a unified theory about how I deal with this stuff. It's all kind of a mishmash of all the stuff that I've encountered in my life, like anybody else. I, you know, I tried to be open to things, and it, it, you know, I tried to lay it out on the table for that episode. Uh, Michelle came in, and Michelle, even more so than Dave, was dogmatic and Catholic in the most impressive and hardcore ways. She is, she is the immovable object, and I was the unstoppable force. I asked her questions, and man, she remains firm. She is a firm-footed. Uh, feet on the ground Catholic, and I absolutely applaud her for that. I I am envious of her ability to be strong and forthright in her faith, and, and it really, oh, it spoke to me in a way that I really, like I said, I was envious. It just, to have that level of certainty, I just, I don't possess that. I'm, again, existential vertigo. I just, existence itself weirds me out. Like, I get I, I'll see the moon hanging in the sky either at night or in the morning if it's dark enough here in Minnesota. And I'll think that that's just a rock swinging around us in space. And how small my troubles seem compared to that rock. And it's reassuring for me to give it context and perspective. Um, Tara came on after that and... Uh, Tara's one of my oldest friends, and she's just, she's the bee's knees. I loved having her on, and she's just so easy to talk to, and she was so open and honest. I'm saying that all the time here, and I'm realizing I'm repeating myself, but I just, she shared some personal stuff that was just so heavy and profound, and I realized as I was stepping into it, I thought, oh, I am out of my element here. This is, I am really, uh... I've stepped into something that is beyond me, something that I am likely ill-equipped to deal with or something where I'm outgunned in terms of 
especially being um, fairly boring straight white male in his mid-30s in the middle of America. Like, I don't have a lot of life experience to deal with some of the stuff that she was uh, opening up about. I just tried to navigate it as carefully as I could, but, man, she just was so... She's just an awesome person who I just think is so wonderful. I, I really, I really, it's, it sounds cornball, but I just, I see no harm in sharing uh, love and joy. I, it really, it's, <laughs> it says a thing about the state of the world when one of the trending topics I saw on Twitter today was uh, positive troll or something like that. It was uh, trolling for good, that's what it was, that, like, that's a paid promotional thing that somebody got trending that... Just get out there and just be kind for the sake of being kind. Like, things are not good these days. So I have no qualms about um, espousing about all the good qualities of all my friends here that have been on the podcast, and I really uh, have nothing but good things to say about all of them. I had Brenda Hartman on after that, and Brenda was the first honest-to-goodness, like, stranger I had on the podcast, somebody who was a third-party contact. And she was so kind and so gracious to sit down with me and let me ramble on at her. I found um, (laughs) some constructive feedback in this round of interviews because she really, I dominated the conversation in a lot of the initial episode. And then the follow-up, I tried to let her talk a lot more and edit myself out. But she just was so informative and really got me going on some great things and uh, encourage anybody that needs her services to get in touch with her as a, a counselor in uh, death counselor, grieving counselor. Um, Brenda taught me a lot about how to face and embrace what happens for us all and how families can kind of circle the wagons and deal with this in their own way, but there's ways that you can get help in doing this. Um, and the theater for the public policy as well, that uh, there's also been some cool events here in Minneapolis and St. Paul that she's been encouraging of how to uh, participate and become involved in the public discussion for it. Although now, I suppose, in light of recent events, they'll be called off until uh, the pandemic has died down. Brett was one of the last people I had on before kind of the main summer break happened. Brett was relentlessly cheery and optimistic. And uh, again, a, a reminder of who I am in light of somebody else. She's very young and energetic, and I felt like an old man in comparison, despite only having at most a decade on her. Uh, but it's a very... Uh, the gulf was wide, but she is a charming and uh, refreshingly faithful person. Somebody who is just so wonderfully open to talking about her faith and just being natural in who she is. She, it's not in any way disingenuous, and it's just it's it's strange to be able to talk with young people. <laughs> Again, I I still think of myself as fourteen in my own head, and that's not the case. But I don't anticipate meeting a lot of young people with faith these days and yet she is somebody along with michelle who really exudes that and exemplifies it and it's just it's it's very endearing how do you not find it so approaching and engaging when somebody is just mentally approaching you as a big hug you know it's listen to her episode listen to her talk about it and you'll see what i'm talking about um, at that point, uh, as the summer went on, I had taken a break just to get a couple of weeks of uh, preparation under my belt. And 
looked at a favorite movie of mine, Night of the Living Dead. I'm <laughs> the the summer break series is a little odd, but I'm proud of the way I handled it, and I still firmly recommend Night of the Living Dead, uh, both from a sociological and cultural standpoint, and especially as entertainment nowadays with being uh, socially distanced and if you're getting quarantined inside your own house, uh, being mortal. I am thinking of that book every day now as we approach what will be the um, the bell curve of what happens with this pandemic. Uh, Atul Gawande's book about how we handle death in Western culture and how nursing homes, hospice services, how that's been an evolutionary process. We're going to be going through a watershed with that. Um, it's already been evident in the number of deaths that we've had. And then furthermore, we're going through the... Uh, the numbers that we've had with nursing homes and how disease comes through, it's it's only going to become more apparent that there's going to be systemic change to this whole process. Um, trying to talk about my existential crisis the following week was an endeavor in futility. I stand by it. I'm not taking that episode down, weird though it may be, but it's a good glimpse under the hood for me. Like if you just let, imagine opening up your laptop and there's no programs open, but just the, the CPU is running. That's a glimpse at my CPU trying to figure out what <laughs> what what is happening. What drives all of this? Why am I here talking to myself in the basement? Uh, Don was kind enough to come on after that and share his experiences growing up. And uh, that was a, not a twist ending, but man, talking with him, I... I've known Don almost as, no, as long as I've known my wife. And the stories I got out of him, I was honestly shocked. Like, I asked him, how... You can hear me in the episode. I am mouth agape. Like, Don, how have we never talked about this? How could you have these stories? And these just haven't come up. But this is why I want to sit down and talk with people one-to-one -one like this. Because it's... It's insanity. His stories were so crazy, and he just goes about his day like, yeah, this is, you know, this is his existence, and this is fine. And, again, just fascinating insights into who people are and how they operate. Um, Brennan Galvin was kind enough to come on after that and talk about being a death doula. And uh, when I've had my own questions in the past year now, having had Brenna on, I've listened to her episode again just for my own education of like, oh, right, here's what she talked about. And like, should I be investigating becoming a death doula and hearing her talk about it? I think it may not be right for me, but it's an option. Uh, but she's just so calm and measured and um, she presents herself so elegantly in both of the episodes. And again, just so kind to sit with me as long as she did. Uh, but she just effortless to talk to. And I can see, way, see where her comfort comes with doing this both – um, as a personal endeavor and as a professional endeavor, but then just who she is as a person. She's somebody that I really want to just get her laughing, like just lob an absurd non sequitur out there and really to get her to just burst with laughter. But she was so uh, calm and reassuring. I felt like I was just being coddled in the best way. Like she was just being very calm and very like, no, John, it's okay. You don't need to try to make everybody laugh all the time. And so it was just really great to talk with her like that. Uh, Cheo was... Another another person that I was just so thrilled to have on, Cheo, I've known forever, but hadn't connected in a long time. And we've hung out since then, but Cheo just really uh, an absolute joy to talk with, a fascinating person. And if you can track me down, you can track him down, find him. He's a wonderful father and just a charming mind with a lot of 
it's just a lot of love and a lot of goodness in his heart. I just really am so happy I connected with Cheo. And he's somebody I've been uh, talking with about fatherhood and dealing with kids and how you deal with questions and questions and questions and having a little professor and wondering what what different stuff happens. Um, after that, I had a couple of... Uh, I tried doing something that kind of hit or miss. I don't know if I wanted to do it. It felt a bit exploitative, but it, it was something that I was comfortable talking about. I talked about notable deaths, um, looking at Kirk Cobain and Marilyn Monroe, in that they were um, deaths in pop culture that you could point to without it being politicized. I felt that uh, there was some fascination there in just what happened? How did we deal with this? What was the significance of it? This is somebody who not only was important in life, but their death was important as well. I could certainly see doing more of this if the circumstances arise, but it did feel a little bit distanced and not the most engaging. Like it felt a bit more, I don't know, I felt like I was becoming an episode of an e-true crime Hollywood story that I just, I didn't love it. And if I'd seen a huge spike in numbers, I might be singing a different tune, but traffic stayed consistent enough that I was not too worried about uh, diverting away from that. After that, I started on, uh, man, this was in September. I started on a, a series on funerals, not knowing how long it would go, but just decided, all right, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Let's figure out exactly I view that as almost a hub around which death revolved as a subject. And so I thought, let's just do a deep dive into it and look at different facets of it. And I was concerned about my ability to broadcast and maintain to an audience. Um, again, I find it therapeutic just to sit down here and talk to myself in the basement. I'm just, I've got a <laughs> I never want to show anyone what this looks like until they come down here and then I just spend the entire episode apologizing for how horrifying it is but I just I find this therapeutic to just kind of let the let the gasket go and just bleed out some existential anxiety um, but I'm fascinated by it it's something that you only participate in very rare occasions I've said before I missed the period in my life where there were a lot of weddings every weekend because it was just a great time to get together and have cake and coffee at midnight um, yeah funerals are kind of the dark inverse of that where you approach a time in your life where there's suddenly very many of them and they're fascinating things and you typically only go through them under duress or you know they're not something you celebrate and so to look into them in detail and find out more about them was really eye-opening. And uh, I, that felt closer to what I was aiming for. You know, I felt like I kind of hit a stride there, um, talking about the, the practicalities of death and process, practices, uh, cultural ideologies. That kind of felt like getting into the wheelhouse. I felt like it hit a good groove there. And I just, I had no idea how long I wanted to plan that out and keep going. But as long as I had subject matter or material, I wanted to keep going until it hit a kind of a natural halting point in 10 episodes. I mean, that got pretty, <laughs> I'm happy with it. If you wanted to find somebody who could cut that into something actually beneficial and educational, you could probably distill it down to like three episodes. But I'm very happy with how those turned out. Um, I tried going a little bit broader after that into consciousness and death and what that was. That was a much more slippery 
unwieldy subject matter than um, funerals because it's just it's so intangible and so abstract that it was difficult to talk about. I I find it absolutely fascinating, but I quickly found like, oh, I am definitely driving people away in this process. This is pushing traffic away. <laughs> like I am becoming unlistenable in talking about this stuff. It was me having an existential crisis for the better part of a month. So I got away from that. Quickly going into cryonics. Um, super fun. I hope I wasn't too dismissive and hardcore about it. I listened to that episode and you'll get the full details on why I feel that way, but that was a kind of a fascinating twist into it. Um, similarly, body brokers, it becomes practical and very, um, what's the word? Uh, not mundane, but just workaday of how do you source bodies for somebody that needs them. And kind of a bummer, but it's just a facet of human existence. Is This is something that we need to make a business off of, just the same way that uh, people sell their bodies for sex or people have to make a business out of uh, cleaning sewage water. No facet of humanity goes unmonetized, and that's as true as dying of anything else. Alkaline hydrolysis, um, so long as the resources are there and we have the water, absolutely recommend for a way of uh, handling the dead. It, it's respectful. It's uh, cleanish, It's cleaner, uh, a little bit greener. And again, those are episodes that I feel I could really get comfortable and kind of feel confident talking about this stuff. Um, grave relocation. I, yeah, that's going to come back around too. Um, because I want to talk about mass graves at some point, but I'm afraid of getting a little too into the modern subject matter, unfortunately. Um, but grave relocation was horrifying, and again, just staring it directly in the face, something that's considered distasteful and, you know, hush-hush, don't talk about it, don't deal with it. Instead, no, we're going to go headlong into this and, and find out how this works. Weirdly approachable. I really enjoyed uh, handling that info. Dying at home and not dying at home as a, a one-two punch of how death has changed in America, it's, again, I'm, I'm proud of him. It's just, it's weird subject matter now that um, the, the pandemic is here. Um, I don't know. I've just really, and the rest of the episodes leading up until now, just Neanderthal funerals, uh, body exhumation, this is stuff that, it doesn't feel – it's certainly weird shit. I'm going to cop to that. I know that. That's basically – that's the the <laughs> the refuge in audacity that I have with this podcast is I don't um, – I do some promotion for it, but I, I let it just exist online knowing that there's an audience out there for it, and they'll find their way to it whether or not I am you know, paying for ads somewhere. This is stuff that – I'm fascinated by it, but it feels a little bit like digging into Bigfoot stuff or aliens or UFOs that it's a fringe concept in its popularity, but those that are in the market for it have a dearth of material. You know, this is stuff that I'm comfortable talking about it. I'm more than happy to keep tilling the soil and figuring out what is here to be uh, better understood, and maybe this anxiety that I'm feeling that seems to be in the air. I've been out 
you know, running errands and stuff in the last week, and it it has the energy of blizzard preparation is the easiest that I could convey here in Minnesota. Um, that before a big storm is about to come through and we know it's going to come through, everybody goes out and buys milk and bread and, you know, all the provisions at the store. There have been different runs on, you know, cleaning products and stuff like that. Um, other people in different parts of the world have different experience with disaster prep, but I mean, it just, you can feel it in the air where people are just a little bit on edge. And maybe this is something where, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, maybe there's some respite in this of knowing that, yeah, there's, there's a finish line for everyone. There's an end to every book that I have in my own way of dealing with, uh, the chaos of the world lately. Um, I've been, (laughs) when I can't sleep, I've been watching, um, superhero movies and, uh, it feels good to just have the turn your brain off relief of, um, big strong saviors punching bad guys and feeling like there's a, a bad guy to be punched because there just isn't that in our daily lives as often. And the existential highlight for me came in a very unbalanced movie, uh, <laughs> The Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, I had really hoped for a lot going into that movie, but um, the idea of making two different robots that were sentient and having them fight each other really uh, gets my nerd hackles up, and I just, ooh, I want to talk about that. Um, and the vision talking with Ultron at the end of the movie about uh, the grace and humanity's failings of we're doomed. Uh, this is what humanity is. We are bound for extinction at some point or another. That's how life works. That's how existence works. Um, but a thing is not beautiful because it lasts forever. So maybe that's just how I dovetail all of this and tie it together. I'm, I started off in a very anxious place talking on this podcast. Um, 40 minutes later, I'm feeling a bit better having talked my way through it. I've really had a hell of a lot of fun doing this, talking with people, um, seeing who's out there listening, having some interaction online. It just blows my mind that I see traffic from unexpected places on the globe, and there's people out there listening. So hello, thank you, please be well. Um, Existence is short, I hope yours is good, and uh, I hope your life is full of love. See you next week.